You know, when Jesus walked this earth, relatively few people recognized his true identity as Yahweh the Creator. The people of that day saw Jesus as son of Joseph and Mary, the carpenter from Nazareth, the prophet like John the Baptist, the rabbi from Galilee. Even when Jesus healed multitudes of people, they still did not acknowledge that Jesus was the son of God. Even when crowds of people flocked to hear Jesus talk about the kingdom of heaven, they still did not confess him as Messiah of Israel. How foolish that the God of all creation walked among those people and they failed to recognize him. How sad that the Savior of the world lived and spoke his eternal word to them and they refused to hear him. His voice, the voice which said, let there be light, was ignored by wicked unbelievers. He still is being ignored today, ignored by an evil culture that for the last half of a century has preached that there is no God, no creator, that we humans are just the result of random events in nature and hundreds of millions of years of evolutionary process. Well, that kind of thinking certainly takes away any sense of purpose we might have, any moral truth, and any hope of life after death. But if there could be more... Today's culture goes further by pushing the idea that man is destroying the earth and really should allow humankind to die out. So no more babies. And as far as I can see, folks, that's like a real nail in the coffin of humanity. And sadder still, people are buying this garbage today. And that's right. A recent poll revealed that one out of four high school seniors said they did not plan to have any children. And as for values, two out of five said that they planned to live together before they got married. So we're living in a culture that says there's nothing really to live for, no future beyond this life, and the only right or wrong there is is what the culture or the government says there is. But with all this attempt, to deny God and indoctrinate the masses. It does not in any way change the truth that there is a God in heaven who has absolute authority and power and before whom every creature who has ever lived will give account. What Moses said more than 3,000 years ago is still true. Therefore know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other to the people of the Old Testament, God was invisible. But in the New Testament, He made Himself visible in the person of Jesus. And when He revealed Himself, He revealed His unlimited power and authority in the lives of those people He came to help and save. These persons of interest to Jesus are just like us today. These persons learned from Jesus and what they learned, we should embrace. The lessons they learned should be lessons for us because Jesus is still very interested in your life. He loves you. He's interested in you, in your life, in your faith, in your future. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 4 as we look at this passage of Scripture and we continue our message on person of interest. Mark 4, would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's precious and holy word? I'm just going to deal with Mark 4. We'll deal with Mark 5 in the second part of this message next week, but let's look at verse 35 for a moment. 
On the same day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, to his disciples, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? And then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. It is true, every part of it. It is an eternal word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will last forever. That's what you said, Lord Jesus. God, the lessons the people of the, old, of the Old and New Testament learned are lessons for us today. The things that you did when you walked the earth are the things you can still do today. And Lord, we need you more than anything. I do. Lord, I'm desperate for you. And God, I pray, search my heart, search the hearts of all that are here today. Lord, whatever our needs, we ask you to meet them. Lord, we ask you to do that which no one can do, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Now, in the latter part of Mark chapter 4 and moving into chapter 5, we have two stories that have a common theme, the authority of Jesus. And what we learn from these encounters with Jesus is two things. Number one, Jesus can deliver us from natural enemies. Now say that with me. Jesus can deliver us from natural enemies. But then we learn something else too. The next point is that, say it with me, Jesus can deliver us from spiritual enemies. Well, if you take the natural enemies and you take the spiritual enemies, that's all. That's everything. The natural enemies, the spiritual enemies. Well, Jesus his authority is greater than everything else. Remember before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples when he got ready to give them the great commission, he went to the Mount of Olives with them. He stood there and he said, all authority is mine in heaven and earth. So Jesus has all authority. That's how much authority does he have? All authority, all power. He has all authority over everything, and he has the authority and the power to deliver us from anything that would come against us. He can, he can destroy any weapon that comes against us. My mother used to love that verse, no weapon that's formed against thee shall prosper. Because Satan does so much to try to bring us down. Does he ever try to discourage you? Yeah. If you're, if you're alive and breathing, the devil's tried to discourage you, unless you're going the same way he's going. <laughs> I, I heard that a long time ago. If, uh, if you're facing problems, congratulations, because if you're not, you're probably going the same way the devil's going. But when you start living for Jesus and you put him first and you try to serve him, 
you're going to run up against the devil. Now, today we're going to look at this first story, the, the point one, how Jesus can deliver us from natural enemies. And we're going to look at it in this passage we just read from Mark chapter 4. Next week, we'll get into that spiritual aspect. Now, today, Jesus had been teaching. In this story, Jesus had been teaching and healing great numbers of people around the Sea of Galilee. The crowd was so large that Jesus got into a boat and asked his disciples to shove out a little from the shore so he could address them. After a long day of dealing with the needs of perhaps thousands of people, Jesus was exhausted. Remember, though he was God in the flesh, he still had flesh and blood and his body tired. He asked his disciples to leave the multitude and cross the Sea of Galilee while he himself rested. That's where we see pick up in, chapter, in uh, verse 35. Notice, on the same day, the same day as what? The same day he had been teaching. The same day he had been doing all his miracles. On that same day when evening had come, he said to them, his disciples, let us cross over to the other side the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him, Jesus, along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, that's the back part of the boat, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, Rabbi, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, there was one boat. Jesus was asleep. The disciples were with him, and there were others. They were all crossing the Sea of Galilee because that's what Jesus told them to do. Jesus told them, let's go across to the other side, and they obeyed him. They were doing what he wanted them to do. And he was, what was Jesus doing while they were crossing? What was he doing? He was asleep. Now, you know, that expression, as he was, is a clue as to Jesus' tired condition. The disciples saw how their master needed to get away to rest. So they took him into their boat. And he went right to sleep in the stern of the boat. And while Jesus slept, a huge storm arose, threatening to sink the boat. The Sea of Galilee is known to have storms. And the disciples, some who were experienced fishermen knew how to handle those storms. They knew how to handle the boat in those storms to ride it out. Their boat would have looked something like this one I have in a photo. Something about this size. Jesus would have been asleep at the stern. The man's on the stern with the net. And so this boat, you know, their boat would have probably had some oars trying to row. Would have had a sail. But this, this little boat was certainly no match for a huge storm at sea, according to Simon Peter, who gave Mark the personal account. Remember Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, that's John Mark's writing, dictating for Simon Peter, who gave him the story of Jesus. And so, according to Simon Peter, who was there? He was in the boat. The storm they encountered that evening was so severe that Simon Peter and these other seasoned fishermen panicked and felt their lives and the life of their master was at risk of dying. They were going to drown. They believed that. I saw a recent photo of a storm on the Sea of Galilee. This, maybe it looked something like this. Can you imagine that little boat being on that sea in a storm like this? It's pretty intimidating. 
especially for a boat like we just saw in the a first century boat. And yet Jesus, what was he doing during that storm? What was he doing? Sleeping. Resting peacefully after his long day of ministry. After expending all their strength, all their energy, all their knowledge of the sea, these exhausted, terrified disciples awakened Jesus to the threat they were facing. I remember, Jesus is not in some room back here. He's just lying at the, the back of that boat. He's, he's in the middle of it all. They're all around him. and they, There's several disciples there, and they're doing everything they can. And they're, I'm sure they're surprised that Jesus hasn't awakened. But they ran to him, terrified, and they, I don't know if they shook him awake or just said to him, Rabbi, the boat is sinking and we're going to drown. How can you sleep? Don't you care if we all die at sea? Now, of course Jesus cared. He loved his disciples more than he loved his own life. He would prove that with the cross, wouldn't he? He loves us the same. It's just that Jesus knew something that the disciples did not know. He knew that he had control over this and over every situation anyone faces. Jesus knew his authority. And the disciples had to realize his authority and accept his authority. This storm at sea would be that lesson for them. Verse 39. So, when they asked Jesus, don't you care if we die? He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea... Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I've been in some storms, but I don't think I've ever gone out and rebuked the storm. Have you? Have you ever gone up and said, hey! <laughs> but Jesus did, because he had that authority. Just picture this terrible, raging storm with these seasoned sailors frightened for their lives. I've been on the sea, I've got a little... 21-foot boat, I hadn't been in the water, but like one time, you know about boats, you know, and how it is with it, and down here, we live here at the coast, and we love, our, we love to go out in the boats, but we, then most of us, we don't go out very much anymore, but I used to go out a lot with my boys when we'd go fishing, and I want to tell you, I've been on the sea when the wind came up, and when you're out in the ocean, it can come up just like that, and uh I've been out there when the waves got a lot taller than the boat. And it's frightening. It's frightening when you lose control. There's a feeling of helplessness, of desperation. When you're on the sea in a storm, you realize the enormous power of the wind and the waves. And yet Jesus stood up in the middle of the storm. And that storm is like that picture I showed you, huge waves. I mean roaring, howling wind, and Jesus just got up and said, shh, be quiet. <laughs> I'm sleeping, be quiet. And what happened? The Bible says immediately, the wind stopped blowing and the sea became completely calm. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing power, folks. That's indescribable. The girls were singing that. We didn't plan it that way, but that's indescribable power. That's... Who but the Creator would have the power to instantly calm a storm by saying to a storm, Shh, be quiet, I'm sleeping. Who could do that? 
Nobody but the Creator. When Jesus spoke to the winds and waves and commanded them to be still, those wind and waves obeyed Him. And that miracle proved that Jesus was not an ordinary man. He was God. And yet these disciples who had witnessed this power, they had seen Him heal all kinds of diseases. But then they witnessed this power like nothing they'd ever seen before. They still didn't quite put two and two together and accept Jesus for who he was. Jesus, after calming the storm, addressed their fear and said in verse 40, Why are you so fearful? Why are you scared to death? Why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? You know, Jesus was asking them, but actually he was really, he was revealing their problem. I mean, the disciples were panicking because they had no faith. And let's dig just a little bit deeper. Where was Jesus during the storm? In the back of the boat, right? With them in the boat. So why did they not come to Jesus for help before the boat <laughs> started filling up with water. Why didn't they run back and get him before that? You know, before they were sinking. Because they really, though he was there in the boat with them, they really had not accepted Jesus' incredible, indescribable authority. I mean, they had the, they had the one in that boat that created the stars in the sky. And they just didn't realize it. They had not accepted his authority. That's why they were sinking. They were drowning. Now, this would be a recurring problem for these disciples. They were slow to believe in Jesus' authority, and that resulted in fear. If you don't trust Jesus, you're going to be afraid. That's right when bad things happen. Satan loves to make us afraid. He peddles fear. He promotes fear. He uses all kinds of things to frighten us, especially the unknown future. These disciples were afraid because what they had set out to do under their own power became a circumstance beyond their control. The sea, which was a source of food and income and pleasure, for these men became an enemy because of their fear. Satan loves to make us afraid as he magnifies the storms that we face. Fear is one of the greatest weapons the devil has. That's right. He wants to frighten you. And the reason these men, these disciples, were controlled by their fears is because they did not have faith in Jesus' power to overcome their fearful circumstances. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus deliver them from their perilous predicament? Yes or no? Yes or no, did he? Did he, did he deliver them from their fear? Well, let's see that. Verse 40 and 41 again. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, they, they feared more, and said to one another, who can this be 
that even the wind and the sea obey him. Well, I would have thought they would have recognized him by then, you know? Jesus had delivered his disciples from a perilous, fearful predicament, but they still held on to their fear. And it would come up again, such as the night Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and they came to arrest him, to crucify him, and what did the disciples do? They all ran away. And Simon Peter, who kind of stayed back a little bit and warmed himself by the enemy's fire and in the courtyard, and they began to say, hey, we've seen you with him. What did he do? He denied Jesus three times that night. Why did Peter deny Jesus? Because he was what? Afraid. You know, fear caused you to do some crazy things. Some, uh, really, it will. It would not be until after the death and resurrection of Jesus that these men would finally get it and they would finally accept the divine authority of Jesus, their Savior, and they would charge the gates of hell with the gospel. And that's our faith lesson. Do you want to be delivered from fear? Read it with me. To be delivered from fear of the enemies we face, we must accept by faith the divine authority of Jesus. You've got to get Jesus in your circumstances. You've got to have him stand up and you've got to see him as bigger than those waves. You understand? He, you have to focus on Jesus. You have to get your mind on Jesus. The disciples were persons of interest because through their doubt, Jesus could display his power over the natural world. But to accomplish God's purpose for the lives of these disciples, they had to trust Jesus completely and release to his authority the fear that would hold them back. I'm going to say it a couple of times. It's more than just saying, yeah, Jesus, I believe you can do anything. It's another thing to say, Jesus, here's my circumstance. You take it. Jesus had just explained to these disciples a great purpose he had for them and for all of us, really. The parable of the sower in the seed. Remember, we took a lot of time to study that. Jesus had chosen these men to be the greatest sowers of kingdom seed in the history of the world. But they had to let go of their fear and accept his authority over every enemy they would face. Do you understand that these disciples who faced that storm at sea, that was just, the, just one, the first of many storms they were going to face because they were all going to be killed for their faith. Maybe not John, maybe so. They were going to be beaten, crucified, beheaded, everything. Tortured for their faith. And this storm was the first one, but there were going to be a whole lot of them. And they were going to need Jesus. They were going to need to, to accept His authority. So this was a very important lesson. They had to accept that Jesus could do anything, that he could deliver them from any enemy, and that through faith in him they could sow the seeds of the gospel that would change the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe 
You and I have been to the cross where Jesus suffered and died for our sins and the sins of the world. You and I have been to the empty tomb where Jesus defeated Satan and death once and for all to give us eternal life, to give eternal life to all who would trust Him as Savior and Lord. We have been there when we accept His authority as greater than any enemy we face. That's when fear is defeated. Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, read that with me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Where'd that come from? The devil, Satan, our enemy. Next, Romans 8.15, read that with me. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba. It's that Hebrew word, Av, or Abba. You know what that means? It means Father. That's what it means. It means Father. Father, Father. That's what he's saying. It's the term of a son or daughter uh, that a son or daughter would say to their father, Father, Abba. In order for us to overcome the fear that Satan uses to bind us, we have to see him as our father, and we are his sons and daughters. We have to call upon him as a son or daughter. Listen, folks. Whoever it might be. I mean, you can be the most powerful person in the world. You can be a president or a king. but And you, you might have to have people making appointments to see you. But when your son or daughter wants to talk to you, they can talk to you, right? And that's the way it is with God. I mean, he has all these angels he has to take care of up there. And all the world keeps it spinning and moving. But when you, as a son or daughter of God, when you call Ava, Father, when you call on your Father, you have His attention. And you can call upon Him in good times and bad times. You can receive whatever He has for you, trusting Him, no matter how high the waves become. You just have to realize how big your father is. And friends, Jesus might not always calm the storm you face instantly. Sometimes those storms have a purpose. The Lord might not give you a storm, but he might teach you something through your storm. So I wrote down two points. Number one, sometimes the storm you face is to strengthen your faith. Sometimes. Sometimes it don't just... Sometimes he don't get up and say, shh, be quiet, storm. Sometimes that storm, ha- that he works through it for his purposes. I'm not going to say he makes a storm happen. He could, but he certainly works through that storm to strengthen your faith. Faith, listen to what James said. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith, the testing of your faith, produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you, might be, that you might be perfect. 
and complete, lacking nothing. Why does God let you go through storms to make you perfect in your faith, to make your faith strong and mature? Why did Jesus allow those disciples? Did you think Jesus knew there was going to be a storm at sea? What do you think? Oh, yeah, he knew. Why do you think he put them in that situation? Because they were going to need to get through this storm relying on his power because they were going to need it. Some big storms were coming. Secondly, sometimes Jesus will not stop the storm, but he will deliver you through it. Peter said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as some as though some strange thing happened to you. Peter's talking, by the way, to Christians who are going to be persecuted, who are going to be fed to the lions and, and attacked by wild dogs and, and, and thrust through with swords. and he, They were going to die for their faith. Peter's talking to those persecuted believers, and he's saying, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you suffer with Christ, you'll experience His joy in heaven. That's what he's saying. Jesus faced His own storms when He walked on this earth. And He didn't give up. Listen, Jesus did not give up, back up, nor shut up. But Jesus kept sowing the truth. And then He endured the horrible suffering and ridicule and doubt and opposition and temptation. And He made it all the way. All the way through the cross. All the way through to his kingdom. And if you don't give up, don't back up, don't shut up, but keep sowing the gospel seeds and pressing forward to that reward that waits for you in heaven, in your Father's kingdom, then when you see Jesus, you're not going to need to be ashamed that, well, Jesus, the wave got high and I rode back to shore. Jesus, the storm was high, so I quit. But you'll, when you see Jesus, you'll be, and you see the, you know, the nail prints in his hands, you'll be glad you endured. You'll be glad you stayed with Jesus. There's a lot of people against you. There's people against you, folks, because you're Christians. There's a lot of people who don't want to be serious about their Christian faith. And I mean, really, let's face it. Let's fight. I mean, I've been in the ministry a long time. The, the number of people that go to church anymore shows you just how little people take seriously their faith, right? It's sad. But no matter what anybody else does, when I get to heaven, I want my father to be proud of me. Don't you? I want him to be proud of me because I made it through the storms I faced with faith in my Savior's authority to get me through. You know, what, Peter, what did Peter say? Count it all joy when you face all that Satan throws at you and your faith endures. Peter said that. What did James say? Rejoice that Jesus counted you worthy to go through those storms with him. I don't know what you might be facing today. I don't know what your enemy looks like. I don't know how high the waves are and how much opposition is blowing against you. But I know that with Jesus, you have nothing to fear. In fact, I think one of the wisest things we could do is run to Jesus before the boat starts sinking. 
Think about it. Amen? It just takes faith. Faith removes the fear and gives us confidence in the word of our Lord. King David had learned to trust the Lord in times of trouble. And boy, he had some trouble, didn't he? Just read his life story in the Psalms. He wrote with confidence. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. But the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them, what? All. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, he grew weary. But now that he's in, he has ascended into heaven, he does not have to sleep. He is always watching us. He's always ready to help us. He gives us strength when we're weak. He gives us wisdom when we need direction. When circumstances get so tough that we feel like we are exhausted and we cannot make it through, the Lord lifts us up to soar over the storms. Isaiah said, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. And then finally, the writer of Hebrews gives us the promise of God. A promise Jesus has that he'll always be with us. And what it means for us. Notice what he said. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that you may say, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. You know, the Lord Jesus promised to never leave you nor forsake you. When he's in the boat with you, there will never be a storm so great that it can destroy you. When you're in the hand of God, you're in the most secure place you could ever be. And when you trust him... When you come to Jesus by faith and seek Him and He stands up for you in your boat, He stands up. Boy, He was asleep but, and the storm was raging. But when He stood up, wow, this mountain of authority stood up. And He saw what was happening. Huh, that storm was going to whimper and that's what happened. Just whimpered. Shh, be quiet. Be quiet. Shh. What a Savior. And he said, I'm never going to leave you. When he stands up for you and he speaks peace to your heart, then you don't have anything to fear. In fact, you can even sleep through a storm resting in his power. I read a little story, it's a good story, called Sleeping Through the Storm. Years ago, a farmer owned land along the Atlantic seacoast. He, he constantly advertised for, for hired hands. Most people were reluctant to work on farms along the 
the seacoast. They dreaded the awful storms that raged across the Atlantic, wreaking havoc on the buildings and crops. We understand that, don't we? As the farmer interviewed applicants for the job, he received a steady stream of refusals. And finally, a short, thin man, well past middle age, approached a farmer. The farmer asked, Are you a good farm hand? The little short guy said, Well, I can sleep when the wind blows. Well, although puzzled by this answer, the farmer, desperate for help, hired him. The little man worked well around the farm, busy from dawn to dusk, and the farmer felt satisfied with the man's work. And then one night, the wind howled loudly in, front, in from offshore. Here it came. One of those storms blowing off the ocean. Jumping out of the bed, the farmer grabbed a lantern. He rushed next door to the hired hand sleeping quarters. He ran in, he shook the little man and yelled, Get up! A storm's coming! Tie things down before they blow away! The little man rolled over in bed and said firmly, No, sir, I told you, I can sleep when the wind blows. Well, enraged by the old man's response, the farmer was tempted to fire him on the spot, but instead he hurried outside to prepare for the storm. And to his amazement, he discovered that all of the haystacks had already been covered with tarps. The cows were in the barn, the chickens were in the coops, and the doors were barred, the shutters were tightly secured, everything was tied down, nothing could blow away. The farmer then understood what his hired hand meant when he said he could sleep when the wind blows. And the farmer returned to bed also to sleep while the wind blew. Now, the hired man, you see, he knew something the farmer didn't know. He had already prepared for the storm. Have you prepared yourself for the storms you face now or will face? You have if you have received Jesus as your Savior and you're following Him. Today, we've seen how Jesus delivered, delivered His disciples from a natural enemy, from a very fearful situation that threatened their lives. I don't know what you might be facing but remember this, Jesus is in the boat with you. You can believe He is greater than your storms, but you have to accept that He's greater. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, He's in the boat with you. And what you need to do is awaken, awaken Him to your situation. Now, He knows what you're facing, but Jesus wants you to call upon Him. Pray the prayer of faith. Leave everything. Leave that storm in His hands. Let Him have control over your situation. You know, it's one thing to say, Jesus, I just believe you're greater than this situation. But it's another thing to let Him have that situation. The one whose voice calmed a raging storm can speak peace to a troubled heart. And he can calm any storm. Any storm. As he spoke peace to the raging sea, let Jesus speak peace to you. When you hear his voice, when you focus on him, when you see him for who he really is, then the waves and the wind, they just don't seem so large anymore. When the waves are high, focus on the one who is higher 
in every situation, in every storm, the Lord Jesus knows just what you need. And folks, let me tell you, like the footprints in the sand, remember that little story? He can get you through even if he has to carry you through. So on the Sea of Galilee, when the boat was failing, when the disciples were failing, they got through because they were with one who does not ever fail. He never fails. Let's bow together. So I want you to answer this. Did Jesus get those disciples to the other side? Yes or no? Did he? Do you know that Jesus loves you as much as he loved those disciples? He does. He said so in his word. He loves you as much as he's ever loved anybody. You are special to him. You are a person of interest to him. Believing his love is where it all begins. If you don't think Jesus loves you, then you're not, your faith's not going to be in him. So we have to believe that. We have to believe in his love and he loves you. We have to trust his love. And then we trust his authority over our situations. Do you believe Jesus can get you through the storm you're facing? I mean, you might be in the middle of it. I mean, it might look scary all around you. Boy, I know I have times in my life when I don't know what to do. And it might be frightening for you. The, the unknown, Satan uses that unknown to frighten us. Nothing's going to happen until you start believing in Jesus' authority and his power over your circumstances. Will you believe? Will you believe? Will you believe that Jesus can help you? Will you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins? Will you believe that he rose from the dead and that if you believe in him, he will forgive you and give you eternal life in his kingdom? Will you believe? If you want Jesus to be in your boat, if you want that relationship with him where you are a son or daughter of God, why don't you pray with me and say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe it in my mind, but now I'm going to accept it in my heart that you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood. You suffered for me in agony. And you rose from the dead and you paid for my sins so you could forgive me. Right now, Jesus, please forgive me for every sin I've committed against you. Please forgive me. Please come into my life and be my Savior forever. I want you in my life so that I don't face the storms alone. You'll always be there. I accept you as my Savior today, Jesus. I want you to accept me as your child. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. So if you prayed that prayer and Jesus has come into your life, you'll never be alone. And when the storms rise, just, just get, take them to him right away so that he can stand up and take care of it. Lord Jesus, thank you. I can just see you standing up in that boat. Boy, when you stood up, everything stood at attention. Even nature itself stood at attention when the creator of the world stood up. 
And Lord, I pray today you'll stand up for us, Lord, in the things that we're facing, those unknowns and the things that are beyond our control. Satan's using to frighten us, I pray, oh God. We give them to you, overcome that fear. And get us through, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. While we're singing, I'll be at the front to help you and pray for you if you need me. Let's sing, Brother Steve. Stand with us as we sing together, Are You Washed in the Blood of the Lamb? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of